0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, welcome to the final week of our summer psalm series, and I know we're kind of pushing the whole summer theme as we kick off fall, especially as it looks like what it looks like today outside, which I love, by the way. I woke up happy. Yes. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, we're having a picnic. Okay. All right. I guess this is what we do in the Pacific Northwest, right? Uh, Well, uh, today is our last Sunday that we're looking at a, a psalm together in this series. And as we end this series, I think that the psalm we're looking at today on many levels uh, will will bring together a number of our previous weeks and some of the themes from our previous weeks. So we're looking at Psalm 139 today, and it's a bit longer than the other psalms that we've looked at in our series so, for, so far. Uh, but I'd like to read a good portion of it. I want to read half of it to start us off and then we'll get to uh, to read most of the rest of it as we go. But uh, so hang in here with me. This is the first six verses of Psalm 139. It says this, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Isn't that great? I love this psalm. And I don't know how you might react to this psalm, but there's a number of those things. I I just want to say, as far as the psalmist is concerned, everything we just read is a really good thing. (laughs) Okay? Because some of those, you're like, oh, you, you know my thoughts before I think them. I don't like that, right? But as far as the psalmist is concerned, everything that he's talking about is a good and positive thing. So that's important that we understand right away as we look at the beginning of this psalm. And I also say, as we go through this psalm, there's a lot. This is only half that we read. Uh, we're going to go through things pretty quickly. Unlike in the previous weeks where I'm, I'm probably just going to highlight a couple of things uh, for each kind of thing that the psalmist says. But we're going to move pretty quickly through this. So just a heads up in, uh, for that. In college, I had the privilege of serving as what was called the chapel band leader. Uh, For two years, uh, I got to be the leader of the student worship team on the George Fox University campus. At that point, we were the only worship band that they had. uh, And I loved it. Uh, We played for the entire student body in chapel, whether it was morning chapel or evening chapel, about two to three times a week. And then we also played in churches around the community as a liaison from the school uh, to our community. We played a lot. And it was awesome. I felt very privileged to serve in that way. And it was also where God confirmed a call to ministry in my life. But there were things that I didn't expect and that I didn't like. One of those things that I was most uncomfortable with was that I was in a very visible setting in a fairly small school that were about 2,500 to 3,000 students on campus, which means that many people that I'd never met felt like they knew me because I was up on stage regularly leading uh, times of worship, which are uh, deep, meaningful, emotional, connect you with God, so you, you form a connection like that. Uh, So I would get people coming up that I'd never met saying hi to me, asking me questions, asking me out for coffee, wanting signatures on things, instrument lessons, theology questions, all kinds of stuff. It was crazy. Uh, I even had people calling me Jesus. It was not good. (laughs) But it was a wild experience. All I wanted to do was to be in the band just helping to lead people into connection with Jesus. The thing that bothered me most was in the knowing, right? What I mean by that is people had a particular perception of me, rightly or wrongly, but only my friends really knew me, right? And I knew them and vice versa. So there were a whole bunch of people that I just didn't know who felt like they knew me. It was this crazy experience. So we at all, at our core, all of us desire both to know others and be known by others. Even you introverts in the room, <laughs> right? Uh, that is what relationship is. Seeking and being sought. To know the knowing and being known. Accepting and being accepted. Loving and being loved. Pouring our lives into someone else and having them pour into you. There's a depth of our human experience that, that we need that, right? Right? In fact, we've spent some significant time over the past year talking about how often we grow and change, that transformation often happens in our lives in the context of deeply meaningful relationships uh, where we get to know and be known by others. That's for many of us where real change and transformation begins to happen, where someone can look into your eyes and say, what are you doing, (laughs) right? Or they can be encouraged by you and say, I'm seeing this in your life. Can you help me? And we begin to grow and change, connecting with others. Pastor Holly said this already is a primary part of our discipleship process here at Crossview. But it's a primary part of our human development and discipleship process in the ways of Jesus. It's where we make space in our lives for close personal relationships that help us get closer to Jesus. So this effort to get to know other people is so good. And we should remember that we need to do that not only with each other, but with God himself. Right? That's where our psalm helps us out this morning. Not only can we get to know each other in deep, deep, and deeply, deep meaningful ways, but we can get to know God that way as well, and this is good news. And maybe you've, you've been journeying with God for a long time, and you already know this, <laughs> but it's good, again, like so many times over the last seven weeks, when, a, when we, we hear it in the Psalms, it just has a different level of meaning. It brings it in a deeper way, and we hear it it's spoken from Scripture. You can know God like this, and that God knows you. You're just like, wow, that's amazing. You see, sometimes we can treat uh, seeking God like he's a celebrity and we are simply trying to gain information about this distant and disinterested spiritual celebrity and the chance that we just might get his attention. Have you ever experienced seeking God like that or thinking about God like that? We can focus on the immensity of God and get a little off on our perspective about who he is. The truth is that the all great and powerful attributes of God sometimes lead us to forget that he has a deeply personal and relational nature. He wants to know you. He does know you. He wants you to know him, right? And, and completely Open yourself up to him. One commentator I read this week wrote this. We spend time focusing on the fact that he is the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe. All these are true, but can leave us with a sense that God is a distant and disinterested ruler. And that scripture is a spiritual version of a celebrity magazine. Giving people the ability to learn about God without expecting God to return the favor. <laughs> Isn't that kind of cool? We think about it like that. It just pushes us. To this idea that we can know God in a deep and meaningful way and that he knows us. The message of scripture is that God calls us into a dynamic and deeply personal relationship. Uh, A a chief attribute of being uh, in this relationship with God, just like human relationships, is knowing and being known. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 4. It says, Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that don't even exist. So now that you know God and the word there is known and being known, uh, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak, useless spiritual principles of this world? This might take us back a couple of weeks when... We, uh, we looked at the enthronement psalm, and we, in that psalm, it talked about, it compared the all great, powerful creator of the universe, God, versus these weak, meaningless idols that have no power and ultimately will bow down to God anyway, right? Jesus himself says in Matthew 10, he says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it, and ev- uh And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Uh, So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Isn't that a cool scripture? It's so good. This is one where you can internalize it and and recognize your importance to God. God is intimately acquainted with every detail of his creation, including you. He knows you. He knows even when the littlest bird falls, and it's, he says you're more important to him than that, and he invites you to know him in return. So Psalm 139 praises God for his amazing power, but it does so by showing us that his power is used, that God's power is used to know us. Uh, perhaps the entire psalm could be summarized up in verse 17, and it says this, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God, they cannot be Numbered. This is really cool because the word about here could be translated uh, more accurately as towards. It has a directional aspect of it. So how precious are your thoughts towards me, God? Isn't that cool? That God has, he's thinking not just about you, but he's thinking toward you. He's making this action to move closer toward you because he wants to know you. He wants you to be known or he wants to be known by you. So this takes us back to uh, Psalm 84 from last week where the final section of that psalm, if you remember, is the psalmist asking for God's complete attention. If you remember, this is a cool moment, this buildup of everything. The, the pilgrim had left the temple and he just wanted to go back and he's reflecting and he's praying and he's saying, God, give me your attention. But not just be aware of me. God, I want all of your attention. Look at me completely. Overwhelm me with your focus and your love. Char and I were having, Tim and I were having a great conversation last week after that message. And the kind of, the idea that we got as we were talking is, God, undo me in the sense that I can't handle all of your attention, but that's what I'm asking for. (laughs) What a bold prayer, right? Have you ever prayed that? God's thoughts toward you, you, we can understand him in that way, in that concept that we can have the full attention of God. As we know, as he knows us and we know him. It's pretty amazing. So, the author of this psalm uh, takes the theology of omniscience, that is God's all knowingness, right? He takes it off the shelf and brings it down to a personal level. (laughs) Uh, God's uh, all knowing, this word that we sometimes use, omniscience, is not just theological or philosophical in this psalm, it's very personal and relational. So just to reinforce this idea, in other parts of the scripture, we, look, uh, we see in Jeremiah 12, it says this, But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me, and you test my thoughts. Do you feel the need to be known and loved? God knows you, and God loves you, warts and all. And I'm so thankful for that. We keep saying we're all in process. We're all on a journey. We all need to change and transform. And God doesn't reject us or, 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 you know, leave us because we don't have things figured out. He invites us in the midst of our own mess to know him and to be known by him as he works on us and as we grow and change. Isn't that wonderful and amazing? He loves you no matter, Brendan Manning says, he loves you no matter what's gone down. It's one of my favorite kind of aspects of, of his writing. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you need to hear that today? The first section of this psalm focuses on God's omniscience, and it helps us understand the nature of God's all-knowingness. So we might generalize this and say that God knows everything, but the psalmist focuses the discussion on being seen and fully known by God. And for the psalmist, again, this is a very good thing. So okay, here we go. We're going to kind of cruise through this a little bit. Psalm, we're not going to get through all of these things, but we will go through a number of them. So the first first verse, O Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. As this psalm begins, what we find is a series of things that God knows about us, right? And this is supposed to be encouraging and and exciting for us. These are deeply meaningful. And again, the psalmist sees these as good things. So uh, he knows, we've talked a bit already about the sense that he knows our heart. He knows the innermost workings of our being and our thoughts. He knows everything about us. Not only does does he know that, but he sees our actions, it says, you know when I sit down or when I stand up. So the first thing that God knows about us is where we are and what we're up to. This is getting really specific, right? Have you ever thought about that? God knows that you came in this morning to this room and he knows what chair you sat in. And he cares about it. He cares about you, right? He knows this is good news, that you haven't escaped the notice of God even this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You haven't been forgotten. He sees your actions even when no one else does. Uh, and and we see that Jesus we just see Jesus saying something similar in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus describes the Father as the one who sees everything. This has always been uh, an encouragement to me that I'm noticed and known by God, but it also in the sense is challenging to me because it helps me want to live a life of integrity. But we have a God of grace when we don't, right? <laughs> I had a cross-country coach in high school that was really, really significant for me. His name is Coach Deeden. And he would always ask, we'd always ask him before every race, Hey, Coach, uh, do you have any advice for us before we start? He'd always say two things. Yes. Hurry back, was what he would say. (laughs) Because often in cross country, the beginning, the starting line is also the finish line. Isn't that great? Hurry back. And the other thing is he would constantly remind us that the race is won somewhere in the middle where nobody's looking. And if you, if you know anything about cross-country races, usually at the beginning of the race and at the end of the race is where all the spectators can actually see the race. But what really matters to the runner is in the middle, where the spectators can't see. Maybe you're in the woods or something like that. In those moments where you're like, am I going to give up or not? That's where it really matters, right? So I think about that all the time when I think about this uh, part, that God knows. He sees our actions. The next thing is that God sees our thoughts. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. Sometimes our relationships break down, or at least knowing others can break down, when we don't always know what people are thinking. Have you ever experienced this? Have you ever said to someone, maybe in exasperation, something like, I'm not a mind reader? (laughs) Everyone? Anyone? Uh, God sees not just our actions, but our intentions as well. He sees right through it, and I love this. Have you ever done something with good intentions, but those intentions weren't clear and they were not received well? All of us, I think, have experienced something like that. Here's the encouragement we get from this scripture. That God sees our intentions and recognizes what we were trying to do. He knows that. We can get better sometimes at being clear about our intentions in terms of our communication and actions with others. But we know that God sees truly what our heart's uh, intent was. Next, God sees your future. It says, "You know what I am doing," uh, or you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. He knows not just where you are, but where you are going. We know that God has both both has plans for you and can and will work to bring about good from any detours or road bumps along the way, right? We've all experienced those kinds of road bumps along the, the, the path of our life, maybe even in the plans that God has for us. But God's a master. He is the author and creator of stories and can rewrite stories. So God uh, not, not only knows where you are, but where you are going. He's not bound by time. He's the great I am. Uh, all time is now to him, and he knows the plans that he has for you, both for your growth and your destination. And isn't that a comforting realization? That God's got us every step of the way. God uh, not only just, uh, not sorry, God also sees you but protects you as well. Says, you go before me and you follow me. Isn't that a cool image? Uh, You place your hand of blessing on my head. The psalmist realizes that God's knowledge of us is for our good, and the word place your hand on my head means here to strengthen, to surround like a wall. Isn't that cool? And it reminds us, it, it kind of uh, takes us back to, again, our psalm from last week, where in Psalm 84, the psalmist was coming through this valley of difficulty and said, but when I do that with you, God, it's like going from protected place to protected place to protected place, like those towers along the, the wall, the city wall. God doesn't just watch, he places his hand upon us to protect us and to defend us. And I love this imagery of being surrounded by God. One of my favorite uh, prayers to pray in a wedding service is, I always pray this at the end of the service, but I pray this. May the God, uh, may the love of God be above you to overshadow you, beneath you to uphold you, before you to guide you, behind you to protect you and close beside you and within you to make you able for all things and to reward your faithfulness with the joy and peace which the world cannot give and neither can it take away. Isn't it an amazing thing to realize, and the scripture reinforces it here, that God goes before us and he, <laughs> he, he goes behind us and he's above us and below us and to either side. That we can walk forward knowing that we are in the loving presence of a God uh, who can make a difference everywhere, anywhere, in our lives and in the world. So this first section is all about the wonders of being known by God. And that brings us to this next section, which communicates another very important truth for us, which is that God knows you because he's near you. He's near you. Look at the next section. It says this, 7 through 10. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you were there. If I go down to the grave, you were there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Any good relationship requires proximity, right? <laughs> Relationships are difficult when there is distance. Uh, I don't know, maybe how many of you have ever had to navigate a long distance relationship? It's not easy, is it? It's very, very difficult. And that's why the next uh, section of God's attributes discussed by the psalmist is his, what's known as his omnipresence, right? That he is always near us. He's always with us. And over these next few verses, the psalmist discusses some things that can follow from the fact that God is near you. So in verses 7 through 9, it's not that God is near you only in certain places. He's near you everywhere. I can never escape why would you want to escape right that's maybe one of the questions that we ask in that but the psalmist is implying you don't want to escape and i'm thankful that that we don't get to escape god's presence right he's present everywhere within his creation all at all times there's never a point where you are separated from the loving presence of god again this is good news In verse 10, it says that God is near you to lead you. If I ride the wings of the morning and I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He lays hold of us and he leads us forward. I love this. No matter where we are, God is near. And the reason he stays close isn't to criticize or to trip us up, He's near us to lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. And it says that his strength will support us as we do that. But again, we're relying on him to lead us. This isn't our direction and path for our life, it's God's direction for us. And he gives us strength in that. So as we continue to move through the psalm in verse 11 and 12, it says that God is near you to comfort you. This is one of the characteristics of God that we see regularly throughout all of the scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. That when you're going through a difficult season, which we all will, that God's presence is there to comfort you. You might be afraid of dark seasons or places in your life, but God isn't. In fact, what seems dark to us is like night, er, is like day to God. I love that passage as well. Whether you're literally afraid of the dark or you're walking through a dark season, God is not uh, challenged by that and can lead us forward. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So in this next major section of this incredible psalm, and I know we've gone really fast through this. The psalmists emphasize that that God is near us and that that's really important. This last bit is that he knows you because he made you. In keeping with this highly personal focus of Psalm 139, the psalmist directs the discussion of God toward the subject of God's creation around you and me. Look at what it says in verse 13 through 16. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was being woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, every moment laid out before a single day had passed. Wow, isn't that amazing? What a deeply personal and intimate God that we have. No matter what anyone will tell you, you're not an accident. Sometimes we treat people like they aren't wanted. God never does that. You know why? Because he made all the delicate, the inner parts of your body. He knit you together. The circumstances that lead to a person coming into this world can sometimes be tragic and difficult, but no one is an accident. Amen? God formed each of us on purpose and has purpose for all of us. God made you unique. He created you on purpose and he skillfully knit you together. (laughs) I love it. Ephesians 2.10 reinforces this for us. For we are God's masterpiece and he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He created you and he laid in front of you the works that he wants you to do. And so as we come to the very end of this psalm, we recognize that uh, relationships are not are two-way streets. We know a lot of things about God, but including, uh, including that he knows you, and he's, he's near you, he made you. Uh, but knowing God on our part, we know about that. Now what happens is we need to respond to God. And then we begin to have this dynamic relationship. And I love that the psalmist ends the whole thing by showing how he responds to God, or how he begins to respond to God. The first thing he does is pray. Uh, The content of the prayer at uh, Psalm 139 is a bit unsettling at first. But don't let that distract you from seeing what he's doing. He's beginning to talk to God. We've talked about this before, but uh, um, the the psalmist isn't pulling any punches about how he feels or how he's beginning to interact with God. That's one of the beauty of the psalms is that we see real human experience and interaction with God. Uh, Nothing is held back. So we get the raw emotion and thought process here in this psalm. I love that there's no pretense in how he's coming to God. And we can, in, we can be invited to come to God that way as well. So our first response to relationship to God is to begin to talk to him. No matter where or how you're coming, just begin to talk to God. The very uh, last verses show us the elements of obedience and surrender two more incredible, wonderful, incredible ways uh, uh, to, to be in relationship with God. This takes us back again to last week when we talked about surrender and obedience as aspects and elements of our understanding of biblical worship. Even though we see some strong language from the psalmist, he certainly declares that his allegiance is to God alone, and that's really good news. Worship team, would you come back as we kind of end our time together. I know we have flown through this psalm. But the final thing that the psalmist says. Is perhaps the most profound. And will probably is also mo- the most obvious. The first words of the last verse of 23. Are the same words uh, as the beginning of the psalm. where the, the psalmist began the psalm with. Lord you have searched me and you know me. And now uh, he And now he ends, search me and know my heart. So we go through all of this incredible journey with God. And it begins with, Lord, you know me. And the last thing is, please search me and know me. (laughs) What incredible surrender. What incredible recognition. Uh, I just want to encourage you this week uh, to go through and read Psalm 139. Read it slowly. Read it every day. Uh, take some of, some of those verses and make it a uh, time of reflection and prayer for you as you think about the way that God knows you, how he made you, and what this psalm is reinforcing for us. We want to seek to know God. We want to commit to be an open book to him as we do so. Amen? What a beautiful psalm. And what a beautiful way to bookend what we're reading here together. Let's pray.